Stanley Cup final. We got one good team. We got one of the teams we wanted in it. The other one, whatever. Doesn't actually matter. I hope both teams lose somehow, if that's a possibility. That's the one I'm rooting for. But Stanley Cup final preview, Rink Rat Report podcast. We're going to be analyzing the conference finals, what happened there, why it happened and such, and how we got to where we are. And then we're going to be doing a deep dive into the Stanley Cup finals. Joined by Josh and Jason. How's it going? How'd you guys enjoy the conference finals? I like how, I like how uh, it took you, what, five seconds to indirectly call Montreal not good <laughs> at the start. I don't like that. Like, <laughs> when we're talking about a goalie that has had a 900 save percentage over the last two regular seasons and Cole Caulfield, who has played, what, five regular season NHL games, and we're searching for some offensive fun here. Like, not even Jeff Petrie's putting up numbers. He's my favorite player. Like, he's the player that I like the most on Montreal. And I'm, I'm just pulling at, like, what's the term? Pulling at teeth, pulling at whatever, like, to find positives that I like about Montreal that are not defensive. Like, are we going to get another New Jersey-LA final? Maybe. I sure as hell hope not. Like, anyways... All right, back back on track. Back sorry. on track. Let's get into the conference finals, and then at the end, we're going to do some rat race. I have some stuff here, some good stuff. But what do you guys think? Uh, we'll start off Vegas, Montreal, the downfall of Vegas. I had Montreal. It was 2-2 when we last left it. Um, I didn't give Montreal any credit. I should have because then they went on to outplay Vegas the next two games. So stay hot, Joe. Well, I mean, if we're jumping right into it, what we talked about last week carried through because their top six absolutely let them down in this series. They only really got goals from their defensemen. And again, a couple third liners, Patch already got one. Like that's not enough. And, and it costed them. We thought those guys were going to come through. We thought it was going to be stone. It was going to be maybe the second line, the expansion line. It was kind of surprising how ineffective they were, especially Mark stone. Because we against Colorado, that guy was all over the ice. Overtime goals, goals off the rush, goals off the wall. Like, he was doing everything. It felt like we kind of talked about this last time, too. The only way Vegas could score is if they had an offensive zone faceoff and ran, like, a nice faceoff play. That was, the, oh, that was by far their best offense in this series. Other than that, they had nothing. Even their power play. Their power play was not good. It wasn't. Like, not at all. So, not at all. And I thought I th- I found it funny that um, a couple times they ran that play and Jonathan March so just airmailed it five feet over the net. How many yeah. times did you see Air- Jonathan March so miss the- go way over the net this series? Did they score a power play goal in this series? I don't believe so. I don't think they did. Might I, need to fact check that, but I, I, don't, I don't think believe they did. They did. Yeah. Like, and when you watch their power play, that was painful to watch. It, lo- it was not their good. breaking was atrocious. I don't understand. Who's drawing up? Like, is there an actual coach drawing up? Hey, guys, go in one on four and then figure it out from there. Like, maybe we got to give credit to Montreal, though. They you shut down the Leafs do. power play. You they definitely shut down do. the Jets power play. And now they've shut down the Vegas power play, too. They shut down their top lines altogether. We'll mm-hmm. see if they can do that against Tampa's power play. That'll be, That'll that's be. So tough. What did you see, Jason, in this one? It was interesting. So uh, I, did a, I did a little bit of digging. Um, 
And it basically came down to quality over quantity. Okay? Mm-hmm. If we're going to look at this series as a whole, um, I'm referencing uh, Corey Schneider's data, by the way, because I like to reference my data. So five on five shots uh, were 197 to 264 for Montreal. The scoring chances, though, were 66. Or sorry, 197 to 264 for Vegas. Scoring chances were 66 to 63 for Montreal. Mm. We kind of talked about that against the Wild, too. Huh. Right? Vegas yeah. against the Wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, Vegas how, gets a lot of chances, but sometimes they tend to prefer, the again, the shot quantity over mm-hmm. the quality. And against a goalie like Carey Price, I don't know if that's necessarily the best way to go about it. Not, not that, that that's a very, like pie-in-the-sky way to think about it, like change your whole offense because of a goalie, but Joe can attest to this. Like, if you're if he's just seeing pucks and saving everything, you're just giving him that extra confidence that he already had, I don't know. It, it definitely did not work for Vegas. I, I think a lot of people expect to look at this series and say, oh, Price stole it, you know? It was all carry Price. No, the, the Habs 100% deserved to win this series. If you didn't watch it, people, it's going to sound crazy. This is from three Leafs fans. They outplayed Vegas. They did. I don't know how, but they did. Especially, I would say, okay, Vegas, num- game one went to Vegas, obviously. They yeah, outplayed. Yeah. Montreal outplayed them game two. Mm-hmm. Game three, Vegas outplayed them, got the majority of the chances, but they slipped up. Montreal won it, whatever. But, like, Montreal outplayed Vegas game four, five, four, six. five and yeah. six. I agree. And they won the series. I, I found it a lot different than the Dallas series where Vegas was getting unlucky in the Dallas series. They were sending everything on net, but they were getting some bad bounces and posts and missed empty nets and stuff, stuff such like that. This was not the case in this series at all. Vegas looked dead. And at one point, the tortured Vegas fans were booing mm. their team in game five on home ice. Who do you think you are? Are you ready to have John Gruden and the Raiders come through and for that to be your team? Oh, wow. Derek Carr. Um, I don't think, like, I don't know. Were these teams, like, they were spoiled. They're spoiled. Yeah. And you deserved what you got. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> I, you're right. Yeah. Um, no, I no, that's a great rant. You kind of left me speechless here. I've got yeah. a lot the, the thing is, again, we love Vegas's fan base. It's great, but really, like, mm-hmm. it's easy to cheer for the team that goes to the oh, Stanley yeah. Cup final in the expansion year one, and it's been great for them. As Joe said, it'd be interesting to see how that attendance would be if maybe they weren't doing so well. I wonder. I hope we don't see. I hope they're they're a fun team. I hope yeah. they're good for a long time. But it's it's something to yeah, fun barn when yeah. they're good. <laughs> when they're good, not that hard Electric. to be fun when you're good. Yeah, is the other exactly, thing, exactly. Uh, one thing I want to point out from Vegas's end. Um, I thought like the goaltending didn't cost them the series at all. No. Game three, it was it wasn't good at all from Flurry. But the rest of the games, I thought they were solid there. Um, even Robin Lander, the two games he played, he was solid. I thought it was interesting how how many of the depth guys on Vegas got kind of beat up in terms of goals for percentage. Nick Holden, Zach Whitecloud, William Carrier, Thomas Noshek, uh, Ryan Reeves, Patrick Brown, Nicholas Hag were. All under fifty percent in terms of goals for percentage, meaning they when they were on the ice at five on five, more goals were scored when they were there than they scored for. Mm-hmm. Including in this list, Mark Stone, two goals for when he was on the ice at five on five, 
for against. Can this I throw- is supposed to be your shutdown guy. This is supposed to be a guy that's over a point per game, your Selkie guy, and he got caved in. He was completely useless. He, he was, and people were talking about him as the best winger in hockey leading up to this series. We like, were. We, 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 like, and it just shows, goes to show you that, you know what? Sometimes you're not, uh, like, people were making up excuses, like, maybe he's hurt. Maybe he, afterwards he said he was fine. He just didn't play his best. And that just shows you how, how hard the playoffs really is. You only have seven games. And if you're off for one or two, and Mark Stone was like, he was pretty good for someone, but he was off for one or two. And it just cost them, it can cost your team a series. It's like, you always got to be on. It just shows the fickleness and how hard it truly is to win in the NHL, even for the best players in the world. Exactly. To to pile, not like we're gonna pile on Mark Stone a bit here. He's a great player, right? He was last on the team in expected goals percentage yeah. this series by a lot too. It w- it wasn't actually even close. What was the he, percentage? Thirty three percent. Oh god. And and this is for a player. I mean, he was. We saw him. He was dominant against Colorado. And I don't know what happened. Uh, again, I don't know if he... Uh, he said he wasn't injured. He didn't yeah. look good, though. He, he didn't. He wasn't even getting shots. wasn't getting chances. It was just nothing. I thought it was interesting. So we were t- saying how much of Vegas' strength is on their offense. They create good cycles. It's a very heavy hockey, and that's where Montreal might have some trouble, whatever. Montreal limited chances from Vegas off the rush totally. Totally, I thought. But... On top of that, Vegas severely struggled to enter the zone. You couldn't just flip the puck into the corners and get your Alex Tucks, your Mark Stones, your big boys, your Keegan Colsars, whatever, your big boys to go in there and fish the pucks out. Even the second line, which is typically very, very good at that, the Riley Smith, Jonathan Marchers, so William Carlson line, they struggled with that as well, and they struggled overall in this series. It wasn't until game six that they really started to get going there. So... Like it was, it, they were locked down by Montreal. They were, they genuinely, Montreal genuinely outplayed them. I thought. Yeah, hat tip to them. Honestly, <laughs> it's tough to, it's tough to even imagine how this we got to this point. I mean, especially after Game Four of the Leaf series. I mean, I don't know who would have expected this. Is the is that Alex Galchenyuk turnover the ultimate like TSN turning point of all time? Think about it too. Think about all the permutations in that. Like. Galchenyuk was drafted as a top five pick for them. He was supposed to be their next number three. Number three. He was supposed to be their next like. Remember, he was a center. They thought he was going to be like the number one center for them going forward. Obviously, it didn't work out for them. And almost a decade later, he's on the their arch rival playing in the playoffs. And what does he do? He throws an absolute Double pizza agent. nova <laughs> party size hot superstata pizza down the middle. And since then, the Habs are ten and two and have and he assisted amazing. on that Jake Muzzin goal too. Yeah. He was, he was, Picking it up, not having the best game, but then he picked it up, made that nice assist, that nice pass to Muzzin, and then, dude, that like, just head down. You're covering for the Dean, just whipped it across to Montreal's new, brand new shiny toy. In co- did it? Was it intercepted by Suzuki or Caulfield? I can't remember. I think Suzuki then to Caulfield okay, like back and forth in there. But yeah, yeah, I think either of them could have got that puck. It was like, yeah, not even like close. Just insanely, just it's crazy to think, but. I mean, when you think about all these teams that have made the finals, remember Vancouver made it because Chris Campoli flipped it up. Game seven overtime, Campoli flipped it up the middle. And Bieksa uh, took that no, knuckle puck, right? Was that that game? It might have been, yeah. yeah. But it was uh, Burroughs caught it, put it oh, down. Yeah, yeah. And then now where's Burroughs? For Montreal. Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, one yeah, guy yeah. I wanted to talk about that I think had a very big impact in this playoffs overall for Montreal 
And you're not going to be able to tell this from the box scores. Philip, the soon-to-be free agent, Deneau. Pizza guy. Oh, yeah. Big pizza guy. <laughs> That's funny when he's doing that. I, uh, yeah. The press conferences. What do you guys think of Philip Deneau? I mean, I've been a fan of him for a long time. The, earlier this year, I'm sure Habs fans don't remember this. They wanted him traded. They were like, we can't sign this guy. He can't score. He can't do anything. He is... When you close your eyes and think of like a pure shutdown center in the NHL, that's what he is. He would be like the prototype third line center in like today's NHL where you play him tough minutes. Doesn't matter if he scores. As long as he can neutralize the real stars on the other teams, that's great. Even if he ends up a minus three in a series, if Austin Matthews line only scores three goals at five on five, we're happy or less, whatever it was, one. I mean, that's... That's what he gets paid to do, and he does it effectively. And it's hard to deny that. He's done it his whole career, too. This is not like a new thing. It just, this year he kind of got, you know, the goals weren't going in for him at all. They didn't in this series either, or in the playoffs. He has zero. But nobody cares because it gives so much space to the rest of the team. And this is something that I I still, I hate bringing the least back into it, but like when they lost Kadri, it was like, that's what they're kind of missing. Like, it's good to have one line and I've said this a lot, that you can just bury. Like, they understand. We're the checking line. We don't even care about scoring. Let's make life miserable for the other team. The Leafs really didn't have the that other line. other team stars, yeah. And Tampa has that line. Blake Coleman, Yanni Gord, Barkley Goudreau. They Ooh. score, too. Yeah, they, they do a but, better job of scoring. And, and even, they almost have two lines that do that. But still, that it just really is effective. And Deneau is perfect. That whole That entire line, even though they haven't scored, which... It's whatever it's uh, they're doing their job Arturi Lekkonen's on that line Gallagher's hurt on that line the nose really carrying that line and good for him he's a free agent he's gonna make some money so what's the number I'm curious the number five five we think five at least because of the points total I think some GMs are gonna look down on that they're gonna give him four something and then because he's in the Stanley Cup final playing shutdown minutes some GMs are gonna absolutely look way up oh, on right, that maybe. right like Jim Benning oh yeah but Edmonton, yeah, they could use they could use that guy. Toronto, almost anyone. Mm. We need the space though. Do you have anything in your notes about Philly? He's good. That's it. He's just I I no no specific notes good for an- Philly, but good he's just, answer. He's good just answer. A good a good good shutdown. Like you guys said, he gets buried. He plays what twenty five percent or seventy five percent of his shifts come from, or so seventy five percent of his zone starts are defensive. Yep. yep. Right. Yep. That's a lot. Most guys don't don't crack sixty six, even if you're a shutdown guy. Oh yeah, um, that's a lot. And yeah, he's he, I also, he plays the role and he he knows his role and he plays it. Like, I also recall us talking about it in the first in the Leaf series At, when we Leafs were up three hundred. It's like oh Dano, like he's played well, but you know his numbers aren't that good. Like expected goals, like shot attempts, and like he still shut them down. Yeah, like oh, and he's yeah. done that now for yeah. the whole playoffs. But his other stats have come up too. Which yeah, is and, funny. and it makes you wonder. Like, obviously, we only have public data here, but the NHL has much like NHL and teams have much better data. And I wonder if that data shows the difference that Deno makes well on the ice because he was losing the expected goal share, he was losing the Corsi share. But that's again, like that's kind of to be expected from someone who starts every single shift, seventy five percent of them in their own zone. You're gonna you're gonna get outshot if most of the time you're in, you're starting in your own zone. And I feel like I've noticed sometimes too he um, uh, he would get thrown out for defensive zone draws even without his line and just get off. Yeah, just win the draw and get off. And like that's that's, that's another asset that uh, he has to Montreal. He can win a lot of faceoffs, which is helped him out later on in this Vegas series. 
because it was funny. Weren't like we were saying, uh, Austin Matthews was winning like seventy five percent of his draws against Deneau mm-hmm. in that series. I think that was only yeah. for the first four games, the first four or yeah. five games. And then it came back to right, right. And then yeah. sounds about right. So I had a lot of notes on Philip Deneau. You guys covered it fantastically, though. But this was my thoughts on what happened there. So I was taking a look at the data in terms of his opposition and the minutes played against them, who he played against, what the goals for and the goals against were. In this series, Mark Stone had 0 4 when he when Deneau was on the ice, Stone had zero four zero against him. Pacioretty had uh, Pacioretty scored two against him, none against. Okay, that's your top One, yeah yeah top right. winger right there. What I mean, it happens. Two is not too too bad. Uh, in the Jets series, Deneau had two four. Blake Wheeler had zero four. Mm-hmm. So a nice two zero deficit there. Not bad. In the Leafs series. I found this very interesting. With Philip Deneau on the ice, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, it was one goal. F- one They had one goal for Philip Deneau had one, zero goals for. So it was essentially De- Deneau was at a one goal deficit against the Matthews-Marner combination. Which, I mean, there. do you not just take that all? In a seven-game oh series? Oh, my God. That's the biggest win that they've had. Like that's ins- I can't believe that happened. It's insanity. It you want me to pile on here? In the playoffs, Philip Deneau matched up the most against number one, Austin Matthews at 72 minutes. Number two, Mitch Marner, 67 minutes. And he allowed one goal. Against Vegas, Vegas' top line, it was 47, uh, Mark Stone, 47 minutes on the ice with him. 44 minutes on the ice, 44.8 minutes on the ice without Mark Stone out there. So they were able to get Mark Stone away from him. Same thing, Pacioretty, very similar numbers. And then in terms of Blake Wheeler, the divide was very similar as well. About half with him, half without him. But Austin Matthews played almost all of his minutes against Philip Deneau. Mm, is there a point to make here from you, Joe? I like where you're going with this. And so where I am going with this, you're correct. I am making a point. The other coaches, Peter DeBoer and Paul Maurice, when they had the home ice advantage, when they had the last change, were purposely trying to get their stars away from Philip Deneau. And you notice this when you take a look at the opposition data, when home versus away, the minutes that Philip Deneau spends against the stars are completely shifted. Against the Leafs, though, Sheldon Keefe made zero effort to get Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner away from Philip Deneau. He did not, I felt like he did not utilize having that last shift well enough, and it cost them. And when you look at, oh, well, would they have done better against other lines? I think so. Against Nick Suzuki, they got a goal in 29 minutes playing against Nick Suzuki, and they got a goal in 17 minutes playing against Gisperi Kakanyemi. And on top of this, they, gave, they got two goals against Tyler Toffoli in 29 minutes. So I thought, just to bring it back to the Leafs like we always do here, I don't think Sheldon Keefe did a good enough job of utilizing that home ice advantage and getting those top guys away from Montreal's shutdown guys and putting them towards their more opposition, like offensive guys that are not as good at defense and trying to take advantage of that. And this data just screamed that to me. Yeah, that's fair. Someone in, clipped that. Yeah. In the, it, yeah. 
I just want to defend. I just in defense. I like that's a very good and fair points that I like. Um, and I don't think you're wrong at all. I think you're absolutely right. But the only reason why I think that Sheldon Keefe was maybe thinking as to keeping those guys together is because we were generating chances with like we oh, we weren't scoring goals. We weren't scoring. You're right. We weren't score. scoring. We got to score. They scored true. one goal in the yeah. blowout game too. That's true. I have I have one thing to add. Actually, I need to shout out one of our big time listeners, Nick Guida. He believe it or not. He actually texted me that after game seven. He said, don't you think Keith could have done a better job getting the Matthews line away from Deneau? And I was like, yeah, but whatever. I don't know if that would make a difference. Now, looking back, I think he was probably 100% right with that. So shout out Nick. He did literally text me that exact thing, which is wow, funny. That is surprising. But it's like when you when you have a loss like that, I'm like not thinking of strategy after yeah, that. I no, was just like, not at all. I can't believe we lost. But I mean, hey. If that was, again, I like to make this comparison. If that was Mike Babcock, you probably would be all over him for that. You know what I mean? Like, for making that type of decision to not properly deploy your star players, your yeah. top line, but when they're especially struggling to score. The the only tough part is, is how do you avoid that, right? Like, the only way you have last changes off of face-offs, right? Yeah, that's so, exactly how you do it, though. That's okay, how the so, so you, but, it. You, but what you're saying is to not put your best players on in the offensive zone when you have a draw. Right, because chances are Philly Deneau is taking that defensive zone draw. So do you not like you have an offensive you zone have draw? Last change though. So. I I know. So you you throw out the Nylander line. Yeah. But so then maybe, but then that kind of goes. They're not w- getting the twenty five minutes a yeah. game that yeah. you hope Which, so, but, but they're getting twenty two and they're getting 20, more yeah. effective Fair. matchups Fair. there. But one thing I did want to point out on a happy note, um, one player to completely eat Phil Deneau's lunch was William Nylander. He played very well against him. So he there you go. I was wrong. Two goals, two goals, <laughs> four Nylander zero there, against. So. Not bad. Yeah. Good showing from him in 26 minutes. No, I fully, I, I want to go on record. I do fully agree with you that there, he could have done more, but I, I also understand the, the logic it's, behind why he didn't. So it, it's, I'm, I'm just it's Sheldon Keefe. It's more so he's a skills logic. coach. It's yeah. free flowing. Like get out there, get your touches, get your feels like not game planning too, too hard. But in this case, I mean, I feel like you could have done a, Maybe it's a bit of revisionist history, but I feel like you could have done that a little bit more and stuck to those matchups a little bit better, especially when you had the home ice advantage there. Yeah, yep, that's fair. totally Very fair. fair. Um, I think we nailed that part yep. down. Any other parts to the Montreal series? Um, you, are, you go first. No, I have more of like a long-term, just quick question about Vegas, but you go first. I want to hear the long-term question about Vegas. It's like they're kind of screwed a bit, no? Why? Like uh, cap-wise? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Like kind of, the th- I was actually thinking they could trade for Eichel. That that might be it for another thing. Because if you take if you take Flurry off the books, one year seven mil, that won't be too. They're over sp- the cap right now, though. Are they? Yeah, I they're they're so, like yeah. really pushed up against. Okay, it. well yeah. maybe not. Maybe also like here's the other thing. thing we saw how uh, another thing we didn't talk about is like they're really still weak down the middle. And when Chand- Chandler Stevenson went out, it was like Tuck tried his best. You could tell he's not comfortable playing center. That was another thing that kind of maybe threw off that stone line. Maybe he thought yeah. he had to do more. I mean, they're pushed up against the cap, but they also don't – they don't have a young team by any they means. Don't. They have a pretty old team. Yeah. Like, they, Their best hope is Cody Glass just yeah. skyrockets. They, they got to give him some Real chances, minutes, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I hate to put this on the Vegas Golden Knights because I really hope they do well. I like cap for, They remind me so much of the Sharks, though. Like, like a couple years ago, yeah, quick. like like yeah. like in like three, maybe four years. You, if you don't if you don't supplement these older guys with good young skill guys, you're gonna you're gonna start to see some issues. I actually had one more point to make about the series, I, and I again another thing we touched on last week. 
Vegas gave up way too many odd man rushes, okay? Mm-hmm. They love that D jumping up in the rush, and it works for them until it really didn't in this series. They gave up way too many. And it got me thinking, if you give Alex Pietrangelo eight years, eight and a half million, is the way that they deployed him in this playoffs the most effective use of his skill set? I felt like they... It was Peter DeBoer's like stubbornness almost because him and Shea Theodore were they were giving up a good amount of chance mm-hmm. like the turnovers going the other way or like on plays that just didn't really happen going up the ice where you had a, a defenseman up there and then you have a forward defending on the way back like it was tough and I mean we saw there was one play I remember Nick Holden, Nick Holden. It was just, it, he was which com- goal was it I can't even rem- it was maybe game five but. He went up the ice on the rush. It came back the other way. He, or sorry, he pinched, came back the other way, and like on his defending on the way back, it was just atrocious. I felt like yeah. they defended horribly off the rush. Yeah. And if you're a team that pinches as much as Vegas, you'd think that'd be something that they'd really hammer home with them. But they kind of stunk on that <laughs> on that part. Yeah. So go, going back to the stats that I dug out, so about quality over quantity. So uh, 66 to 63 for Montreal was the scoring chances. Craziest part about that, I forgot to mention, is the carry carry in with a scoring chance. Montreal had 42 carry-ins, That's which insane. ended up in a scoring chance. That is insane. Compared to Vegas' is only 34. So f- about it, 60%, 66% of, uh, of uh, all of Montreal's scoring chances were from them carrying in the puck. And I think that has a little to do with Vegas, like you said. how like Their D like to pinch a lot in the zone. And their their forwards, at least, they play like a low grindy forecheck, right? They like to keep low, get get guys bodies in front, and th- and that's what they like to do. They like to um, have their D kind of pinch off, like the the weak side D pinch off to the side, open up for a shot. And maybe that this should be where Peter DeBoer implore, Im, Im puts forward a, a, a new so offensive zone um, system. system. Yeah, like because uh, their system doesn't really like their system got exposed. It seems like in this series. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, to be honest, I praised Vegas's whole fourth forward mm-hmm. system, the pinching of Alex Petrangelo and all that. But like, it just became obvious. Yeah. And it, was, it became stale, and then it kind of bit them in the butt a, yeah. a little bit. I mean, Petrangelo did play well overall. No, he in did. Series. It has nothing like, to do with very, how very he well. played. Yeah, it's almost it like just, if you're paying a guy as an unrestricted free agent eight and a half by eight years. Shouldn't he come in and to play be a like, one-way defenseman? That's yeah. weird to play like to almost again. He's way better than this guy, but almost play like Tyson Berry. Yeah. You know what I mean in it's terms of how you strange. deployed him. He was amazing at it. He was great. Yes. He's probably yeah. their best player in the playoffs, all things considered. Yeah. Yes, he was. Sure. Game, so game score, he was the the top. But uh, I just wonder. You know what I mean? If I wonder if that's the best use of him though, because he's got it's a just, good two-way. And game. It, it might be. It might be. But I'm just wondering. It's just interesting. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so personally. I, I think that um, if we were to look at Tampa Bay, like the one thing you got to preach when you're playing against uh, Montreal is patience. Like even if it's not going, if it's going zero zero into the third period, like so be it. You got to hold on there, yeah. and you, you just got to trust that your finishing ability is better than Montreal's, and you're going to get the next one, right? But I thought that wasn't. Yeah, that is interesting. That is a very interesting point to make. I forgot the just something food for thought. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, best player in the series, you guys thought, on both teams? That's tough. I think Vegas was Petrangelo for sure. Yeah, like he, yeah. he, without, uh, again, 
they had to get offense from him to get going. Like he yeah. was more relied upon to create offense than their forwards were. So I would go with him for Vegas. Oh yeah. For Montreal, it would it would either be I mean it's got to be Cole Caulfield. I I want to give it to Price. Yeah. This kid is so electric. Like I love the way he plays. I I and the draft is like. How could he go 15 overall? It's such, a, such a classic. He's too small. No, he's not. Like, come on. Please. Too small to play playoff hockey. So is Anthony Beauvillis. <laughs> They're all too small. Yeah. It's fine. That's okay. So you can't have points, 12. So you can, maybe you can't have 12 Cole Caulfields, which I don't know. Maybe you can, but whatever. But, man, he's good. He's really good. And I can't believe they scratched him, but good thing they came to their senses and put him in the lineup. Scratched him twice. Scratched him twice. It's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Sorry. Um. I was gonna see, yeah. That w- those were my two guys. Um, no, sorry. Maybe t- Tyler Toffoli, I think on. Gotta give Price the credit too. Yeah. Maybe Jason will give it to Price. Yeah, I'll give it to Price. I would say, yeah. I those were my two exact guys. Yes, sorry. <laughs> um, in terms of Vegas, like I don't even know who who was good on Vegas. Um, I'd say the goaltending was probably their best strength that they had. Uh, Robin Leonard and Mark Andre Fleury didn't cost them at all, in my opinion. Maybe game three a little bit, whatever. But um, and then Montreal, I I would say um, Nick Suzuki was very very good for them. That'll be my yeah. pick, yeah. Uh, Nick Suzuki. And then for Vegas, the uh, the the goaltending I'd say were my my two tops. Yep, that's fair, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Nick Suzuki uh, led led the team led the team this series in game score uh, game score value added. It's okay. just a, like I, a, I basically a war He's model great. another war metric. Player. And then I'm gonna give the, my Vegas one to Alex Tuck. Who was second in in war for? He was all right. <laughs> he just oh, I had to. Who else was I supposed to give it to? He was all right. What Theodore? Like I wasn't impressed with him actually. I went, right after we Shea pumped Theodore. his tires, he, no talk. Right after oh, we pumped his tires, he, he was, was playing center my again. Fault. That's my fault. Yeah. I'm a cursed. But uh, anyway. just interesting to see where Vegas goes from Shea here. Shea Theodore turned into the full pizza man this series. Yeah, he didn't oh have a God. good series again because they almost they start using Theodore as more of the way you should use Petrangelo like. Yeah, like keep Theodore as like your Kale McCarg up in the rush kind of guy, and you, give Petrangelo we've seen him do that exactly. very well too. So whatever, that is kind of surprising. Yeah. But um, on to the next Zach Whitecloud was another guy. We we were saying, oh, what a steady guy, cheap, end, and yeah. he struggled. He did. He was on the ice for the game-winning goal. Yeah, it was yeah. bad defense in my opinion by him. Yeah. So those are our thoughts on the Montreal Vegas series. Let's get into a little Tampa Bay. Versus what New York series, Islanders. Honestly, what a series. Right down to the wire. Game seven didn't feel like a one nothing game that where the only goal was scored shorthanded. But okay, sure. Go on. What did you guys think about this series? It was it was a tough series. It was a clash of styles. Like styles makes make fights. That's the saying. And again, I want to give an immense amount of credit to the New York Islanders, believe it or not. Because you know what? They had their system. They trust their coach. They stuck to their system all the way to the end. It's just unfortunate that a system can't beat a skilled hockey team. Sorry. At the end of the day, who won out? The better team won. No system in the world can beat an ultimately better hockey team. Really. Do you think if the Islanders had Anders Lee, we'd see a different series? No. No. I don't. I don't. And again, I have to take that back because systems have beaten good hockey teams. But at the end of the day, my point is give me the actual better, higher skilled, talented team over the system hockey team every Mm -hmm. day of the week. And it it showed in multiple games. But again, 
Matt Martin on the ice with three minutes left down a goal. I'm sorry. I respect the hell out of Barry Trot sticking to his ways and rolling the bench and keeping everyone fresh. But you know what? That's not going to get it done. I'm sorry. It's not. Again, I got to give it so much credit to the Islanders. The way they played this series, I think they played a lot better than anyone expected. I think this was actually their best series, even though it's the one they lost. I think they played better overall against Tampa than they did against Pittsburgh or Boston. I feel like in those other two series, they were able to expose the deficiency in Pittsburgh and Boston. In this one, Tampa Bay doesn't really have a deficiency. Absolutely not. So it's tough to expose one when there isn't one there, but they played them right down to the wire. I was... I mean, after that 8-0 game, I was like, game six, let's go clean up Tampa Bay. And the Islanders won on their home barn. And uh, to show too. a little Long Island love, they uh, showered their team in beer cans. <laughs> Tampa Bay's fans showered their team in clappers that <laughs> yeah, they yeah. gave out. That was, But they always give those out. That's the thing. Like, they always give those out. Are they going to give out any more now? Yeah, like, yeah. They always give out the clappers. It's like the thunder, great. the lightning. That's the point. Like, but clapping. then they started throwing them at the players yeah, in game seven. Like... I don't know. If if I'm a fan at a game, just don't throw stuff at the guys on the ice. <laughs> Let's try that hat. one. Only hats. Only hats, hats on the after, ice. Hats, hats after rats. a hat trick. Hats after a hat trick or uh, hamburgers at Andrew Hammond after <laughs> after he wins. That's Those are the two that I feel are acceptable there. Um, but, dude, like the Islanders taking Tampa Bay to game seven. Good for them. They scored 11 goals in seven games this series. The fact that they were able to do that, the was, system comes through, man. It does. The system really did come but, through. I mean, in the end, talent beats hard work when hard work is not that talented. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. No, again, that's it's, true. It's not like a poo-poo on the Islanders situation. Yeah. They played really well. And yeah. Shout out to them. It's just their Tampa Bay is overwhelmingly mm-hmm. the best yeah. team. They spend the most money they as well. The best team they're the New York buy. Yankees. They bought the best team. And like. uh, the funniest was it was um, someone had a tweet. It was something like Tampa Bay is the first team to advance uh, to the, the Stanley Cup finals in the soft cap era. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I like that. Honestly, if they're gonna if they're gonna let Tampa do it, let's just get the soft cap going. Let's do it. And they should let's actually do it. Little luxury yeah. tax situation. Why like not? Why not? I mean, Jason, you got some notes from the series? Um, not too many notes. Uh, just that you're right. The, sy- the system isn't the best way to win. But I, w- I just want to point out that Tampa Bay does. It's not like they're purely a skilled team. No, they do, no. They do play a very good system. And they're actually, a, a, I, I feel like people don't give them enough credit for how well they play their systems and how well they do uh, on the forecheck and how like they're, they kind of play grindy. Like people yeah, like they, to say they're yeah. they're people like to say that they're skill, but they, they are skill. They're grindy skill. Like yeah, they, they can they have every type of player mm-hmm. on their team, and that's it's it's not you know every type of good player. exactly. Yes. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Yes. It's not like we we filled our bottom six with rough and tough, and our top six is small and skill. It's like through every line they have a little bit of element of both, and every line has a role, and the team plays well together. The def- the again the coach does a great job. He really does. He deploys them well. Like. It's just such a good team, honestly. Yeah, I, oh yeah, top to the bottom. Yeah. It's like it's. I don't want to jinx them, but it's kind of feels like a little super team. Mm, yeah, little dynasty maybe happening I here. Mean, when you have a five million dollar center on your fourth line, and yeah. then a five point one million dollar center on your third line. Yeah, and then I don't know. They cheated on the the other two centers, but um, <laughs> yeah, like it's it's incredible. I mean, does the third and fourth line centers make more than their second line center? Sorelli? No, no, 
Uh, wait, I don't know. I lied. Sorelli got bridged, so could very well be that. I, I, had, I didn't check, but I think that's something like that. Anywho, what I really liked in this Tampa Bay series, I mean, I thought I was gushing over oh, Tyler Johnson, Tyler Johnson, but like he has three points in these playoffs. Like, yeah, it's more so Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov. <laughs> Nikita yeah, Kucherov oh was okay. is dishing out there. Oh my goodness! But I, I mean, just Braden Point, the goal scoring machine. I have like after that game six goal that he scored there. That guy can score in every which way. Off the rush, little look over to look off the guy to the side there, rip it, posting in. Okay, he can deke right. He can schmangle right around you and put it upstairs on the goaltender. He could put it upstairs in tight on the goaltender there. And then Adam Pellick, big, strong, six foot three. Adam Pellick is battling with him in front of the net off of a tur- after off of Adam Pellick's own turnover. And what happens? Who comes out in that fight? Oh, five foot eight, third round pick, Braden Point. Mm. Interesting. Very interesting. Too small. Hmm. That was a statement goal to me. But the Islanders only also only scoring one power play goal to Tampa Bay's five. It's kind of tough when uh, you're playing. I such think a that was game. also three I, of them I, came in one game. How, so three yeah. goals with power play goals. Three games with power play goals. That was also the one complaint I saw from Islanders fans on Twitter. Is like our power play has been kind of broken the whole se- playoffs, and I hope it doesn't come back to bite us. And unfortunately, it did, in the worst way, which is giving up the shorty in a one nothing game in Game Seven. We got to talk about Yanni Gord. Yanni Gord he is great. At, we talked about it last time. He's probably not on this team if Kucherov isn't injured, right? Like, there's no chance he's on the team. Him uh, or no. Kalorn. It one was, of those two uh, wouldn't be yes. on the team. It was, they were trying to move yes. Johnson Well, they were first. trying to move Tyler Johnson. But they no, couldn't get anything. Though, yeah. They would have had to give up, like, a second-round pick yeah. to get him out of there. The, the guy that And then move. it was, yeah, Gord, Kalorn, something like that. And both or those Pallad. guys are just yeah. awesome. Because it's, it's so beneficial having guys that you have 100% trust in in all situations. Oh, yes. You can put Alex Kalorn on the ice, offensive, defensive, power play. plays all three. Yanni Gord, offensive, defensive, penalty kill. No problem. And they have guys like that. For, through their first three lines, all of them can do it. And it's, it's a really well-built team, honestly. It, it really is. We haven't even talked about Steven Stamkos. Like, that's how good – we haven't talked about Andre Vasilevsky, the best goalie of this generation, as I said a couple of podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he has four shutouts in this playoffs already. All, all of them came – He has four shutouts in this playoffs. Sorry, three of them came in the game-winning – in their in their series-winning games. Yep. So last game against Florida, it was, it was game six against Florida, shutouts. Game – Five against uh, Carolina. Carolina shutout. Game seven against New York shutout. He's amazing. That's some. That's just clutch. That's clutch gene right there. So when you look at Tam- uh, Tampa Bay's five on five numbers, also one thing that I thought was interesting. Can you guess who has played the most five on five minutes amongst Tampa Bay forwards in these playoffs? I know the answer. I don't want to say it. I'm gonna get. Is it Yanni Gord? No. It's Andre Palat huh. at 264. Braden Point is second. And third is Yanni Gord at wow. 255. That was Interesting. Close. Okay. Very above Nikita Kucherov. Interesting. Um, Nikita Kucherov will be part of Rat Race. I have an interesting question about him because he got he took a nasty cross check from yeah. Scott Mayfield. Um, he looked a little timid out there in game seven, but you know what? A timid Nikita Kucherov was generating chances. Yep. So that was just wild to see how skilled that guy is. I actually had another question relating to the five-on-five minutes for you guys. In this series particular, do you know which defenseman led 
Tampa Bay in five on five minutes? It's probably McDonough. Yeah, yeah was it was Ryan McDonough. McDonough. Interesting. And I want to give him a gold star for this series because he was spectacular. Because the thing that kind of goes underrated about the Islanders, everyone, like we talk about the system and stuff, Matt Barzal and Anthony Beauvillier are legit, like, skill threats. Like, oh, yeah. speed and skill. Like, these are guys that, if they were on the Leafs, people would say, we got to ship them out of town because they don't. You know, they don't play the right way, whatever. Wow. These are legit, like, top six skill players, not grindy. They're skilled. They're really good. And McDonough, especially on the penalty kill, he was awesome on the penalty kill. The Yanni Gord goal, he blocked two shots right before that. Sent the puck down the ice. They changed whatever. You saw the goal. Yanni Gord gets, gets the pass off the rush and roofs it. So we got to give credit to Ryan McDonough. Everyone loves to talk about Hedman. He's nominated for the Norris. He's a great defenseman. Having that guy is just so valuable. He's would be like their Jake Muzzin. If Lee fans want to like kind of who haven't been following, want to kind of envision, he's like their Jake Muzzin, right? He's very and he's good. Been great. If you notice in games that they win, he has the highest time on ice. Yeah. And that's because he is their shutdown defenseman. Yep. Yep. He does a great job of it too. I mean, I remember fault when I was uh, I followed New York closely that run that they made to the Stanley Cup finals there. He was an absolute horse, and he was playing on a broken foot. Holy shit. Like, yep. just a monster. He's great. There. So, just crazy that they have, they're able to have him and Hedman. So, pick and your Sergeyev poison. Sergachev on and a bridge. And like. Sergachev as well. Like, just pick your poison, and what Savard. you need in there. And then David Savard, <laughs> that's a nice compliment shutdown yep. defenseman you have in there, too. And how can we forget about Luke Shen? Luke <laughs> didn't even play bad in this series. He didn't. He, he played really okay. Play. He played okay. the little that he played at the end of the series. I didn't even think he played bad. He played his role. Got into a fight with Matt Martin. Yeah, That's why really not? I recognize Two Leafs legends. Legend. Two Leafs legends. Absolute legends. So I don't understand how Matt Martin gets mentioned so much oh my God. in this playoffs in this series when he had two points. Like Wait, in the series, he had two points or the playoffs? In the playoffs, oh, he had two geez, points. Two points in the series, but two points in the playoffs overall. So it was just those two. <laughs> who was the guy who said the Matt Martin tweet last? Joey <laughs> Vendetta or something like oh that? Oh, my God. Like, I don't know. I hate to sound like Gabe from The Office, but shut up about Matt Martin. Shut up about Matt Martin. Shut up about Matt Martin. Like, him and Leo Komarov are kind of useless. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And, but useful to Gary uh, Barry Trotz, apparently, played 14 minutes in Game 7. And, hey, I just want to give a congrats out to Lou Lamorello for winning GM of the Year. Congratulations. I mean, they made it to the finals. Made it to the finals game seven against Tampa Bay. Conference finals. Conference finals. Conference finals. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, credit to the Islanders. No Anders Lee, and they pushed Tampa Bay to a tight seven games, and they they had to beat Pittsburgh and Boston. This was not a cakewalk for them to to get to where they were, right? But – also, the goaltending in this series was phenomenal. Yep, really I, I really liked what I saw from Andre, Andre Vasilevsky and Semyon Varlamov. The I think Russians they're happy to have there. him, even even though Sorokin's coming up. They got him at five mil. It's not a bad contract at all. He, they can no, rely on him. Three more years, I think. Two more years. And then if Sorokin overtakes oh, him yeah, this year, you could true. easily trade that five mil. Yeah, that's Someone would take that for nominee. one year. So yeah. one thing I did want to point out, congrats to Lou for winning GM of the Year. Like He's honestly... I don't really hate him like a lot of the Leafs fans do. He's he was didn't do anything bad for the Leafs. I think most Leafs fans don't like him simply because some Leafs fans overrate. Yeah, you're him. right. Yes. Well, he's going to yeah. get put to the test because I'll say this right now: they have a projected five point seven million dollars of cap space. They have three unrestricted free agents who played a lot for them. Two of them were rentals, so Palmieri and Zajac. Okay, they're probably gone. Casey Sezikis, which may be like one of their fan favorite players. Uh, Anthony Beauvillier is an RFA. 
That's not good. Adam Pellick is an RFA. That's also not good. You're not signing those guys for $5 million. They are going to be Adam in a bit Pellick of trouble. Adam Pellick is an RFA with no more RFA years left. Correct. Yeah. So he's going right to free agency right after this. So you give him one year, he's gone. Well, you know who else is an RFA? Elias Sorokin. That's crazy. So if you can, if these agents want to push him, they're Elias in trouble. Elias Sorokin's a 95 or a 94? He's, he's one year younger than us. Or our age, 25. Oh, okay, so he, he could be bridged for one year, but, but then after then, that, but then he's He played well agent. this year. Would you bridge yourself for anything less than like two and a half it, with the current no, goalie mark? Some of these guys are getting paid. I wouldn't at all. He's a very good goaltender, too. They are in trouble. That'll be interesting to see what they do there. Definitely. I wonder if Matt Martin's 1.5 for the next three years might get uh, might be in Seattle. That'll so, be interesting. How, how much did you say Pollock was making, or is it Pollock or Pollock? Pollock. Adam Pollock from Etobicoke is making currently 1.6. Yeah. Yeah, he signed a 1.6 for four years in 2017. That's a terrific contract, by the way. That right, Lou Lamarillo also did not give out. He was he was awesome this year for he them. Was great. He's such a good no, shutdown player. If he's on the market in this market like we talked about, other than um, Dougie Hamilton, there's Alec Martinez, and after that, it's a lot of like offensive defensemen. Yeah. A guy like that on the UFA market, for example, would be like hopefully we're talking seven goes, mil. Yeah, if if he gets to free agency, and he goes to a different team. Hopefully, they play him like correctly. I feel like I feel like he could be a defenseman if you don't play him correctly, like. I don't know. You won't get what you're looking for out of him, but I mean, solid minutes eating defensive shutdown guy. I mean, I really liked what I saw from him. Tough hairline, but very good player. I must say. <laughs> they're they're going to have to rationalize with playing their young guys a little bit more next year. I know they were really against that, but to get it Noah like Dawson. Oliver Wallstrom and Noah Dawson both probably are going to have to have expanded roles next year. Quick quick little math. You said 5.9 million in five, cap space? 5.7. Five, 5.7. Seven. Five, seven. So uh, qualifying offers for both Bavillier and Pellick have to be or combined 5 mil. They're not signing for the even close to that too. That's I'm just saying. I'm just saying that's, that's the minimum qualify, yeah. they're allowed to get yeah, as yeah. RFAs, yeah. even if they sign as a one-year deal. Oh, wow. That's how much yeah. the he, minimum they can get them for is $5 million. Do they save right some now, money, so. maybe bring in Josh Osang? <laughs> the other one that sticks out to me is Cal Clutterbuck making three and a half next year. Psycho. Sorry. Leo Komarov making three next year. So that's where people are like, oh, like oh, you boy. need these great role guys. You pay your fourth line, blah, blah, blah. But then when you run into your young guys need to get paid eventually, brother. And then when you run into situations like this, it's not too favorable to be paying your fourth line a bazillion dollars. I'm sure they'll to figure put up something out. Minimum points, but it's minimum production. I mean, you're probably looking at praying that Seattle takes Komarov or Clutterbuck or Martin in the expand. Like praying. How many years does Komarov have left? He has one more. They both have one more year. Interesting. At three and a half. Three and a half and three mil. So six and a half million dollars on Komarov and Clutterbuck. Interesting. Um, so if anyone asks, do I wish I had? Komarov and Martin on the Leafs for four and a half mil combined, which Absolutely is the equivalent not. of TJ Brody. Yeah, I don't even want to start what you can get with that money. So TJ Brody. Yeah, let's just let's just no, ignore that. Okay, but still four and a half. Like Chris you know Tanev I mean? went for four. Like there yeah. Go. So, but yeah. So enough enough contract talk though. So yeah. let's go. Let's get on to the like the New York Islanders, fun. Tampa Bay last loss. Final thoughts. Any, um, or we we kind of gave them already. I feel like, but I mean, it was a high powered offense against a very structured team again. But um, the high-powered offense came through. Thank God we have some skill 
in the Stanley Cup Finals as opposed to just it being a grit and a grit and trap fest. That would have been fun. I mean, I'm sure people from the 2000s would have loved a New Jersey Devils versus New Jersey Devils trap game against one another. Just kidding. Um, who were your top players for each team from this series? I'm going to go with, for the Islanders, Matt Barzell is their best player. He was their best player this series as well. Credit to him. Again, people were all like dogging on, on him a bit at the start of the playoffs that he wasn't scoring. The guy's like, again, if I don't want to get bring it back to the least, but these guys eventually do score in the playoffs, even if they hit a little bit of a rut. Keep that in mind. Uh, shout out to Matt Barzell. He's electric. One of my favorite players to watch. He better be on Team Canada for the Olympics as well. Yeah. Okay. For, for Tampa Bay, I got to go with Vasilevsky. I mean, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a goalie whisperer like Joey is. I don't know that much about goaltending. This guy, in my opinion, is by far the best goalie in the NHL. This guy plays so ripped up on Adderall that when he, <laughs> the team only gets 16 shots against, it, he doesn't seem phased, which is just incredible. Ice in his veins, dude. It's, and also, I saw heard people saying, oh, Vasilevsky, he only had 14 shots in Game 7. People think that's impressive. Okay, go look at the entire body of work, okay? Yeah. It's not like we're just saying because he won this Game 7. Other Do you remember than, the beginning of the game? It was chance, chance, yeah. chance, Tampa Bay. What happened? What what was New York's first shot? A little breakaway from Bayouvier and a nice save from Vasilevsky into the corner. Like The other thing is, again, it's I heard a lot of – Maybe I'll save it for the next the next series. To little Vasilevsky price talk yeah. next for when we talk about the this cup final. I'm gonna go with Vasilevsky though. I think really he is truly the best goalie in the league. I have a lot of confidence in saying that. He his only blunder, and I said this before, is that one series against Columbus. Mm-hmm. Other than that, he's essentially been a perfect goalie for the last five years. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I'll go next. I wanted to do a little goalie goalie as my favorites, but uh, apparently we weren't on the same page here. All good. Um, my favorite for t- uh, the Islanders, I'm going to 100% uh, Semyon Varlamov. I think against t- uh, Boston Bruins as well, he was fantastic. He's just such a steady goaltender. And he's so even keeled out there. Um, like The Islanders do play a trap game, but they also do give up some pretty good chances. And when he's not on his game back there, I, I understand the three goals... Uh, in game five, does kill his save percentage, but like those, those were not his goal. fault. No, they were bouncers. It was just bad luck. bouncers, yeah. and I mean Sorokin got lit up for another five. It was almost better was, that he wasn't in for the rest. Yeah, of the that would have been that would killed him yeah. <laughs> mentally. But 100% Semyon Varlamov for the Islanders, for Tampa Bay. I mean, take your pick. There's so many different guys to pick from there, but um, 100% I'm going with the easy pick in Braden Point. I mean, just guy scores. Goals. Another guy that we could easily see Team Canada. He better be on. Olympics, he should be their third Olympics. line center. Yeah, he's he, like just his goal scoring ability. But on, on top of that, he's just an electric player to watch out yeah. there. I mean, Game Seven he didn't score, but okay, the one time he didn't fun. score, I mean, still we, a lot of fun to yeah. watch out there. Nevertheless, right? The, just uh, one quick thing: the speed that him and Kucherov move the puck at is beyond oh. any other duo in the league. And that's no disrespect to Matthews, Marner, McDavid, or McDavid, Leon. It's just this specific in terms of how fast the puck moves oh, with yeah. them. It's it's cr- especially on the power play. It's crazy. They are both so skilled and think the game at such a high level. Oh my god, they move that. They snap that thing around. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Jason, you're up. Uh, I'm gonna give mine to Matt Martin for the Islanders for just giving us such <laughs> such quality content from Leafs fans. Just hearing such horrible takes. Um, no, I feel like you guys covered the Islanders' best players. Um, so uh, that's going to be for me. 
Tampa Bay, Yanni Gord. I just think he's one of one of their best players. He's their third line center. But I my favorite part about Yanni Gord is, besides of what he's done this series, is his, just his story on how he's made it into the NHL. He is undrafted. He played for the Victoriaville Tigers. He in his draft year he put up sixty four points. Year later he put up one hundred twenty four points in the QMJHL. He grinded his way out through the AHL and the ECHL. He bounced around there for a bit and proved to everyone that he was an NHL player and he got the opportunity to play with Tampa Bay and look at where he is right now. His story is like one of those that just makes you wonder how many guys break out one year late and just miss the boat who really should be in the NHL when there are other guys like, honestly, who shouldn't? Like He is the type of guy who you want on your third line and I'm sure there's more out there and I wonder just how, how... how many just miss it because they don't yeah. get hot at the right time or they don't Absolutely. they don't they they give up too early or, or, or it could be a number of reasons but exactly yeah the late bloomers are not yeah. kind of favored the late bloomers are 100% not favored by the mm-hmm. CHL in in hockey in my opinion uh, and especially when you get to the pro ranks even guys coming out of college when you get to the pro ranks especially AHL ECHL they 3000 and 10% favor the younger players that are drafted by the teams. Mm-hmm. So you get pushed aside, so to speak. So like a guy like Justin Danforth that's coming to the NHL to Columbus next year, he was on Canada's world championship team. That was a guy that played up until his 20-year-old year in um, the OJHL for the not, for the Coburg Cougars, yep, I believe. Correct. Um I think my he played with my neighbor Jake Emilio. He played on that Sacred team. Heart at and then the Sacred NCAA. Heart four years in CAA. Pretty good there, but then ECHL mainly a little touch of AHL in North America, right? And then he has to go overseas, rip up the Finnish league a little bit, and then he gets an opportunity in the KHL, plays very well there, and then finally, oh, here's your first NHL contract yeah. at almost thirty years old, like. Just interesting the trajectory of some of these late bloomers. And as Jason said, how many have missed the boat, right? The other thing about Tampa Bay is you got to give them credit for is they like their getting guys in their system and they will give them opportunity. They like getting as many, you know, it's a lot of smaller guys too. People notice that like guys in the system and let them develop. And again, I think the the cohesion and having like John Cooper start in the AHL and then go to the NHL, he kind of, has that understanding of how AHL hockey is and what to do at that level to prepare you for the next level, right? Exactly. So I, I hope the Leafs get there too with that cohesion. But Yeah, like, and if you look at, like you said, how they developed from the AHL and onward, I believe they, they, they won the – I forgot what it's called. This is Memorial Cup. Calder Cup. Calder Cup, sorry. They won the Calder Cup, and their top line was Kucherov, Johnson, Palat. On the Syracuse Crunch. Yeah, for the Syracuse Crunch. Goaltender that year. Maybe, maybe Vasilevsky. I'm not sure. No, no, I, I, I don't, don't want to. I don't want to stick my tongue. Out. Was also on. Killorn was also on. Killorn was also on that team. And then you also look at the the most of the. I, I don't want to speak out my. You know what? But I'm pretty sure Sorelli played on the Crunch. Pretty sure Point played a bit on the Crunch. Pretty sure almost uh, everyone on that team. I don't think Brain Point did. Not Point. Sorelli did for sure. Cernak played on the. Crunch, I'm pretty sure. Almost sure. every single player on that they team. They got Cernak from the Ben Bishop trade. <laughs> Crazy. How they, how they they stole him. Point did play a little bit in Syracuse, actually. Before he... That, that's just, like, good drafting and developing for them. That's just fantastic. It's You, you love to see, and I, I hope more more scouts take... Uh, more scouts and organizations take a look at Tampa Bay and see what they're doing and kind of try and replicate what they're doing because clearly it's working. Yep. 
Wow. Can't say enough good things about that organization and what they've done. Yeah. So now let's uh, let's talk. You want to talk Cup Finals? Let's talk Cup Finals. We're, we're I feel like we're giving a lot of love to Tampa Bay, and that scares me because every team we give love to <laughs> <laughs> kind of craps the bed. But there. deservedly yeah, right, so, right? right? Yeah. I mean, I think I wanted to talk about the goalie battle here. I mean, yeah, this let's, is like let's do it. How do we want to start it? Yeah. These are the two best goalies in the playoffs. Like, let's talk about goaltending. I think so. I believe I saw a post from Hockey Illuminati. Um, who was saying that this is the first time, I think, two Vesna winners, or sorry, the first time since um, Belfour versus Hasek that we're getting two Vesna winners against each other in the cup final. So 25 final. years? Wow. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it would be 25 or, years. No, they, it was 99-2000, so the 20-ish oh, okay, years, yeah, 20. or whatever. Sorry. Yeah, 21. Right? So, and I mean, it's two fantastic goaltenders. I mean, it's, well, I wouldn't say similar styles, never mind, but, I mean, we have... Carey Price, very even-keeled, very cool, calm, collected in the net, right? Nothing really phases him in there. And then we have Andre Vasilevsky, who's just a physical freak. Yep. And it's just his movements are absolutely wild. Yep. Off the bat, my edge goes to Andre Vasilevsky. Agreed. I like his game more. Just, I mean, he's a monster in there. like, And his movements are incredible. And But Carey Price, he he's... He's just so good. I mean, his reads are fantastic, and he's he's just so, there's not many holes in there, and he he's been challenging the shooters very very well in this playoffs. And Montreal's defensive style of clearing everything in front of the net has really um, given favor to that. I don't know why I couldn't remember, think of that word, but do you guys have any other thoughts on the goaltending for the series? I think you're absolutely you hit the nail on the head. Price is just locked in. That's oh, it. Yeah. He's locked in, and Vasilevsky. There's no, not enough good things you can say about him. There's just you could go and to the ends of the earth about him. All right, I'm gonna do some Vasilevsky stats. He's Let's hear it. Twelve and six in the playoffs with four shutouts. By the way, he has. Some, there's a lot of goalies that that would be a good year if they have four shutouts in yeah. their whole season. By the way, he has faced the most shots against of any goalie so far in the playoffs. He has the most saves of any goalie so far in the playoffs. He has a nine thirty six save percentage. They faced Florida in the first round. Like, they, those are offensive games, too. And again, he has four shutouts. Here's the other thing that I think people still... Yeah, Price has been great in the playoffs, no doubt about it. But when you look at the full body of work, you can't forget about how poor he was in the regular season still to this point. Because yeah. if you talk about sample size, the playoffs is still a little bit of smaller size, especially compared to the regular season. He was so bad, they almost missed the playoffs because of how bad he was. Right, like they got injured too. I know. I'm just saying he was not good though. He really wasn't. Nine oh one save percentage for minus four point three goals saved above average. You're right. So wasn't good. I think we need to. I understand Price is awesome. He he's been awesome. He was awesome against the Leafs. He was great. He's been steady. That's the biggest thing. He's been really steady. I still give the edge to Vasilevsky though personally. Yes, I think that if we're gonna go edge. Edge yeah. to edge here, Vasilevsky, Tampa Bay gets the edge for goalies. I mean, to keep Montreal in it, I mean, their style has been throughout the playoffs. We saw it especially with the Leafs. It was give Carey Price the shot, and we'll take care of everything else and all the other noise out there. Yep. However, he has made some fantastic oh, cross-crease saves. Absolutely. But this series, he's playing against some very good finishers. If you don't think Kucherov, Palat, Stamkos – point are 
or even Kalorn. Kalorn. You can go on. The list on. goes on and on and on. Top to bottom is can finish. Victor Hedman's a very Pat good Maroon shooter help. as well. Pat Maroon is. <laughs> Pat Maroon scored 25 goals one year, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, pretty sure he scored five And then if we're going to talk about previous 20 goal scorers, Tyler Johnson, Tyler Johnson Blake, Blake Coleman, Coleman has scored 20, yeah. Yanni yeah. Gord. Like, Absolutely. The amount of guys that can rip the puck is is scary on Tampa Bay. So if you're giving Carey Price just a shot one-on-one, Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov against Carey Price, yeah, Carey Price is going to be able to challenge, but the amount that these players can do with the puck on their own is going to be a little bit scary for Carey Price there. So I'm very, I'm going to be very interested to see what will happen there. I thought last series, oh, Max Pacioretty one-on-one versus Carey Price, what will happen here? He's going to ring it off the post, put it over the net. I don't know. He's freaking sucked. Okay, playing against his old team, too, that he requested a trade from. Like, Can you be more spineless? God. The amount of disdain that you have for a player after you bet on them uh, and they course. lose is just incredible. Um Moving on. Though. I have a kind of a key to key to the series here a little bit. So just pull up quick numbers. So far, Montreal's penalty kill, ninety three point five percent. Historically good. By far the best in the playoffs so far. Credit to them. Tampa Bay's power play second to okay. Call, by the way, Colorado had a forty percent power play, which is insane in the playoffs. But Tampa Bay scoring at a thirty seven percent clip on the power play. Something's got to give there. That is going to be quite a matchup. So, actually, before you get into it, there was a guy, Ryan messaged in and asked, um, Ryan W.06 messaged in and asked, who will perform better, Montreal's PK or Tampa's? Shout out, PK? Ryan. That's a great question. Good. We're great on question. the same page. That Here's the thing I, I really don't know how you stop Tampa Bay's power play just because the amount of options that are available. But Vegas had a really good power play, too, going into this series. And, you know, it, actually, the, I don't know if they did. They looked good, but they had a 9% power play. So maybe it wasn't good. But, I mean, Tampa has so many options on that power play. I don't know how you slow them down. I think Montreal's going to give it their best shot. They clearly have something working on that penalty kill. Again, they like to challenge guys. The goalie's amazing back there. It's going to be interesting. That's, like, one thing I want to watch game one. First Tampa power play. I'll be interested yeah. to see just even if they don't score, how they move the puck, how many chances they get, where are they generating the chances from? Is Montreal going to try to keep them higher? Is it going to? Get, are they going to try to almost leave them where we're talking Kucherov to Hedman to Stamkos back and forth? But if you do that, you leave Braden Point open at the bottom and Kalorn open in front of the net. So it's almost like pick your poison. What's power Montreal- play break in two yeah. is going to be another thing to really, really yeah. watch out for. But you're 100% right. Like, it's... Montreal's going to challenge them, and I like Tampa has loaded, loaded, loaded with talent. It's going to be really, really interesting to see how they respond. But if you were to get, you were to pick one, Tampa power play, Montreal PK. I just think here's the thing: the dominating force is going to be the power play for Tampa Bay. That's it. Anything Montreal can do is reactionary. So if Tampa does what they do, they're going to score on the power play. It almost doesn't even matter to a point what Montreal throws at them, how well their power play has been so far. So I think they. This is sounds like so much like a jinx when I talk about it out loud, but I really think it's their power play has been good in the season. It's been good in the playoffs. It was good last playoffs. They got four guys who can score. They got a smash mouth player in front of the net. It's just really hard to defend against. So we'll see. Tampa's, you're going Tampa's power play. Tampa's power play. All right. Uh, I'm gonna go with just Montreal's penalty kill because I just oh. like. I, I just because two things. Price. One of the biggest part. One of the biggest things that people don't talk about your penalty kill is your goalie 
Your goalie has to be good. Price is very, very good. Um, as well, um, uh, they're just the the way that they're uh, their coaching seems to be on on point, and their their players seem to know what their role and know what to do on, on the point. on the penalty kill. I don't know if that's gonna like more so because the the power plays they've played so far. They played pretty good power, at least not not so great. They were we we struggled all season on the power play. But Vegas has a good power play, and Winnipeg has a pretty good power play, and they were able to shut them down. So I'm curious to see, like you, what's going to happen. Tampa Bay probably one of the best power, second best probably power play in the league to Colorado, uh, but I, it, power plays are so tough. They're tough, and penalty penalty killing. It's it's. It's going to be interesting to see. Montreal seems to know know what they're doing on the penalty kill. And I, I don't know the exact reason why they've been so good, but the numbers speak for themselves. They've been good, and I'm just going to yeah. go for Montreal here. I wouldn't call the Leafs power play good. It's run by a bunch of idiots, yes. apparently. Yeah, so I, didn't ca- I called it okay. Idiots that don't like to move around. One so. guy I do want to shout out for the Montreal penalty kill people have given credit to is Luke Richardson, assistant coach. Yeah. He's like very much a well-liked guy, too. And I think hopefully this performance gives him a shot to be a head coach because I think he has that type of makeup to be a pretty good head coach in the NHL one day. 100%. I mean, since Ducharme's gone down, He's have they lost the up. game? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, pretty incredible there. Good for him. Yeah. Um, but if I were to pick one, I mean, I really like goals and I really like offense. So I'm really, really hoping um, – I'm really, really hoping that it's going to be lightning power play to uh, to prevail here. Simply because, I mean, like there's so many offensive weapons. I don't know how, but then again, same thing happened with Vegas. So I'm picking Tampa Bay's power play. I'm not, I mean, I don't know how I'm not overly confident in it. Like, it's just insane to think. It's credit to Montreal. Credit to Montreal. They've they've really shut them down. But yeah, um, things to look out for in this series. What do you guys got? Uh, who's who's Denoble going to play against? Is it uh, going to be it's for sure, right? I, so this, is is that going to be a clear advantage to have Kalorn, Sorelli, and Stamkos against Nick Suzuki? Because as yeah. good as Suzuki is, you got you got a a legitimate NHL shutdown center in Sorelli on him, and B you got an offensive threat like nobody else is sh- in terms of shooting potential as Steven Stamkos. Yeah. So as good as Suzuki Caulfield has been. I don't know if that's a matchup. That you'd almost rather, if you're Montreal, you'd almost rather, I don't know if this is necessarily true, but you, I don't know. Would you almost rather Suzuki line play against Braden Point and hope for a lot of offense? Is that crazy? Is that galaxy brain? No, I, Sorry, Suzuki line play against Kucherov Point. and Point, yeah. No, because I feel like they no. get torn up. You almost them. got a whole, but even that again, you play them against the third. Li- There's no good offensive I, matchup for Montreal in this series. Is my point because yeah. even if you get them out against the third line, Goudreau, Gordon, that's Coleman, their actual shutdown. That's their line. actual shutdown. So I was line, just so. thinking in my head, like I have it written down here: Deneau versus Point, Sorelli versus Suzuki, Gord versus Kakanyemi, Tyler Johnson versus Eric Stahl. But I mean, easily you could put. Yanni Gord against the Suzuki line completely wiped their offense and out. Then, and then who's but then who plays against Sorelli, Stamkos, and Kalorn? Like, like not Yemi's not Yemi. be no, able So to, is it going to be? It's going to be Josh Anderson, of course. Is it going to be Stahl Perry? That's not enough speed against that line. No, like, no. So the the point is, I think top to bottom, other than whatever Philip Deneau can do against Braden Point, I think Tampa has the top to bottom yeah. advantage line match wise. Yeah. And uh, honestly, but here, here's the thing. Again, like I'm I'm 
kind of rethinking of the way I'm trying to like take a new approach to this because I've just honestly crapped on Montreal for most of this. But have they ever really had the advantage line by line? Yeah, you're right. That's fair. Right? Like it feels so, like every uh, series Montreal? they Montreal maybe depth wise, but like depth wise against Vegas. I mean, when you yeah, look depth at wise it, against Vegas, like Montreal's fourth line caved in Vegas's yeah, fourth that's line. That's fair. That's fair. Like, oh, but, but Vegas's fourth line had so much grit though. <laughs> but <laughs> even then, it's like not there. It's not like you're. It's it's not their style of play to win like that, right? No, like they're not. they're not gonna they, they don't go. They care more about getting the defensive matchup than we'll exactly. worry about what happens. Exactly, and yeah, and that's all it is: true. getting the defensive matchup, play tight in your own zone, and get rush chances and score off your rush chances. That's that's Montreal style of play. So you don't need to. You could play against a good shutdown line, but it's the second they give up a rush opportunity, they're go like they, you're not. You can't shut that. The, it's up to your goalie now to shut it down. The right? other the other thing I wanted to point out is it's obviously they're shut. They've been terrific. Ben Chirot, Shea Weber, shut down D. Yeah, great pairing so far. Their right? big issue has been though their ability to move the puck out sometimes yeah. has been questionable. And when you're this this top line for Tampa is kind of different because even even different than the Leafs top line because the Leafs top line don't move it that fast around the ice. It's more of like hold the puck, hold the puck, and we get one shot generation. And then even Winnipeg's more of a cycle team with their top line, and Shifley didn't even play. Vegas, same thing, more of a cycle team. Now, again, you got two guys who move the puck faster than anybody else. So is that is this where the foot speed or lack thereof of those top two, especially with Weber, he's grinding through injury right now. Oh, yeah. So he's playing very well, too. Is that, is that going to come to bite them a bit here? I, I think that's also like something to consider. I, again, I'm going to try and be pro-Montreal here, but this might come as... Very calm. Anyways, um, so how Tampa Bay likes to play, I have some notes about the, how they play in the offensive zone. And it, like the, the biggest thing is going to be like how – so the, we've seen it all, for the past um, couple of series, how what Montreal does. They like to clear out the front of the net, okay? That's kind of been their, their MO. Their goal is just to let Carey Price see the shot, let him save it. Mon- the Tampa Bay, uh, they, they like to they, – they play in a very interesting system, almost like a new, hot, new kind of style. They don't play the traditional two guys low, grind, one guy in the slot – try and get pucks to the net. That's not how they play. How they play is they actually have two forwards. They have two forwards below the dot in the slot, okay? Their other forward is above the dot, almost where the defensemen are. And those three players cycle between the dots. When I say between the dots, I mean east-west. Um, they cycle in, in, in and out of that. And so it's almost like Montreal's strength is clearing out that front of the net but they don't really have to do it. What they're going to have to do is almost man mark in front of the net and make sure when one guy leaves, they find the other guy coming in. So another small thing I, uh, of, of note that might benefit Tampa Bay here is that in the New York Islander series and also throughout the entire season, they've been able to get a lot of good shots from their defensemen. And I, now I know we saw that from Vegas. I know, I'm sorry, I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but oh, yeah. so I, I, know, I know we saw that in Vegas, but the difference is, how how Vegas plays and how Tampa Bay plays. Vegas plays with three deep, right? So that that caused them to give up those rush opportunities. Tampa Bay, on the other hand, they play with the high forward, and with with that, it allows their their defensemen to be more offensive, and they are able to get shots from what like what people on Twitter are kind of calling the soft zone, and that's the space between the top of the circle and the blue line. They're able to get most of their shots from just about the top of the circle. So you're not getting these point shots that are from the blue line. Like that's all. Like there's, they're getting in that that empty space there, and um, a little higher quality than the normal exactly, point shot. Exactly, and they're, and that's how that's how they're they're uh, they're going to be generating offense in the series. Then that's something to be looking for. Interesting, very interesting. Oh, I like that. That is right. very in depth analysis. I like that. That is that is 
covered pretty much everything I was going to say Sorry. here. <laughs> I mean, I made no, the notes for it. <laughs> that was very, very good. You even wrote them down by hand here. Yeah. I mean, Jack Hand. <laughs> Jack Hand on Twitter does yeah, also. He, he, he I, I believe he was saying something similar to what you were yeah, saying, but like, yeah. this is uh, that was fantastic. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see good job. Better. Um, the one thing that I wanted to add that uh, Tampa Bay is really going to have to stress throughout this series is patience. Mm-hmm. Is patience. If you're not, if it's not dropping, not to get overly aggressive out there. Because then that's where Montreal will feast. That's what Vegas did, right? They sit back, you sit back, you sit back. Okay, four guys deep, and then Paul Byron ends up scoring on you, right? And that's where Vegas lost and gave up way too many goals. And that ties into what Jason said, the, the amount of rush chances that Montreal had there. So you want to limit those, and I think that the Vegas, re- I mean, sorry, Tampa Bay really does have the decor to do so. I mean, look at oh, the yeah. defensive defensemen they have. Eric Cernak, David Savard, um, Victor Hedman can play. McDonough. McDonough, sorry. Victor Hedman can kind of play both ways, yeah. but is a very good offensive defenseman as well. Like When you look at these two teams, I hate to say it, just go position by position. Where does Montreal have a single edge? Position. Go look at them. At, go on daily faceoff. Take a look at, at yourself at home. I'm not going to make a definitive proclamation, but I'm just saying, take a look. <laughs> this Tampa team is so loaded. Would you rather have Eric Gustafson or Luke Shen as your sixth well, defenseman? It's, it's Only David because Savard, of Savard, though. No, no, but six defensemen. But is is Cernak playing? No, Cernak's done. But like is, Luke Shen is playing for Cernak. I'm just I'm just trying to be a little. Game seven, he didn't. I, I, I don't think, think, he, I think oh, he's, he's back. He's I back. Think, I think Eric Cernak is back. He did play game seven. So then Montreal is a better is. seventh defenseman. That's the only <laughs> advantage they have. Romanov over uh, or. Well, would you? And maybe you take Corey Shen. Perry over Pat Maroon. I'll give him that. Maybe yeah, that as well. Corey Perry. Yeah, fair, fair. I mean, I wouldn't even Eric. Eric sorry, Johnson over Stahl. And I then, think Johnson uh, might be a better and, player. And then I one. think, um, so what we saw, Armia is going to be out due to COVID protocols. So Thomas Tatar Thomas is going Tatar. to draw in. Which so will help Tatar him. over uh, Ross Colton. Ross Colton. Even though Ross Colton's got three goals. Yeah. He's not a bad player at all. At yeah. all. At uh, all. I just want to go back to what you were saying, though, about how good their defense is at, like, they're going to be, like, because we know Montreal's MO to win. We've, we've talked about all score first and score off the rush, right? Yeah. So uh, Tampa Bay, um, Controlled entries against 49%, which is uh, five below the league, a- 5% below the league average, which is 54%. Wow. So they, they do not allow a lot of controlled entries against, and they also don't allow chances on those controlled entries against, which Montreal seems to have made their identity this playoff. So it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to be able to do that against a so team that's been able to shut them down. Today. You got wow. some good, good stats. I did my homework. <laughs> Very interesting. Good. All right. I mean, I, I've dumped everything I've got. Prediction time? Yeah. Prediction uh, time. Or you want to yeah. save it? Okay. 100% prediction. So number of games and who's going to win? Montreal in seven. Are you are you crazy? Just, You're I just trying know. to not jinx it. Give me a real prediction. Montreal in seven. Like they they they've got how much do how much more do we have to see from this team to say to what are you give, willing to put down give them on a that? chance? No, he's reverse jinxing it. I've Five dollars. That's the most. I've seen this before. Five I. I that's whatever. I know what you're doing. I, whatever. I, I give them respect. How about that? <laughs> okay. I'm going to say Tampa in five. I'll say Tampa in six. I keep saying Montreal's going to get swept and it keeps biting me in the butt. So I'll give them a couple games. I, I The other thing to remember is like the Habs playing Vegas was their first game te- time playing a team outside the North Division, right? And they did well, but that's also because Vegas kind of is 
plays a similar stylish to Montreal almost. Not exactly, but in terms of like cycle slower, not as fast, right? Yeah. You're in for you're in for a rude awakening with this Tampa team. That's I'll true. say that. That is true there. But um let's get into before I get into rat race, I did want to bring up the situation surrounding the Chicago Blackhawks yeah. is disgusting. If you have not, go to Rick Westhead's Twitter, click on some of his articles, read those through. I, I highly advise you do so. It's it's crazy that we're not seeing more of this. Um, so Chicago, I think two of their players were sexually assaulted, and then the same guy, John Eldridge, sexually assaulted a high school player on top of that. And what the Blackhawks did to just do nothing about this and kind of cover it up has been just, it's it's disgusting. And anyone involved in this meeting where it was reported to upper management should be out of the NHL 100%. doesn't matter who you are if it's whatever. We don't have to name names, but whoever was in that front office and knew about it needs to go. That's just has, there's no place for that in hockey. And the gross. Like, there's this is so there's so many layers to how terrible this is and the fact that they gave a positive reference to the guy who sexually assaulted people while you knew he did that and then he went on to it like uh, it's just disgusting. It was an open secret amongst was, the team yeah, and the players knew about it. Like it's just it's sad honestly. So I'm I'm glad yeah. you brought that up. I I, I really wanted to. That was it's, mm-hmm. like I've read through everything. It's unfortunate. It's really it's, sad. It's really really gross. But let's get into some rat race here. Uh all right, so oh, I was reading the wrong part. Will John Cooper keep points line away from Deneau's line in games one in in home games? No. I'll say yes. He'll still do it. I say yes as well. Kucherov puts up more than five points this series. We know he's injured. He's dealing with something. One hundred percent. Yes. Wow. More than five goals. How about that? Oh, stamping it. He's All almost right. like two points a game. Right yeah. It's insane. <laughs> I know, but did you see him game seven? Yeah. He didn't look like Kucherov. Okay. We'll I mean, he said he was, was going to heal. He said he wasn't hurt. Okay, he's right. That's that's could be a whole. No, whole he said hurt. What are you talking about? That's really. <laughs> okay, what I saw the Twitter quotes. Yeah. So I didn't see the inflections. Anyways, I that race. Sorry. How do you think? I'm gonna just. I'm gonna say no. I don't okay. see. He Fair. he just looked way too stiff. Fair. out there. Um. Tampa Bay power play scores more than four goals in this series. Yes. I'm going to say no because they're not going to get that many power play opportunities. That's just my prediction. No, I'm not saying that they're not. What's a cross check? (laughs) Uh, I say no as well, but just barely. Three. I'm saying three goals. That's a fair over under three and a half, honestly, on the series. My last one I have here, Cole Caulfield over under one and a half goals. Under. Over. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go over. I would like to see it over, and then over under three and a half points. Under. Under. He scores three goals. And that's it. <laughs> I'm gonna go over. <laughs> Just for the kid, Jason. You said you had one. Yes. So th- this is a little bit of a f- more. Okay. So this this is less a rat race question. This is just a primer for my question. What do we consider a number one center in the NHL? Like, are we like when I say number one center, do we mean like, thir- like one, like one to thirty-one centermen in the NHL? Yeah. Or yeah. yeah. Top thirty-one. Okay, so is Nick, is Nick Suzuki is, uh, is Nick Suzuki a number one center in the NHL? No, no, he will be, but not yet. Yeah, not yet. Okay, he's not there yet. What do you think? I think I think this. this I think you're probably on the fringe now, though. I th- I think he's close now. I think he's close. So I was looking at like, 
I, I like to look at metrics. I was looking at average game score over the, like, again, small sample. So it's got to take it with a grain of salt. He's per- performing like a, num- like a, a number one center, top 30 center, um, averaging 0.8 game score per game, which is like a, around the range where top, like uh, where the top, the top 30 centermen do. So that was just a, I mean, but also interesting enough, like he's had Philip Deneau as a very, very good support system to him. That's true. As a number one center, like you're Alex Barkov, you're Austin Matthews, you're whoever, like, are you really going to want that? Like, are you going to have that Philip Deneau to support them like that? Like, you should, because they're that's most how you... likely going to be like, they're most likely going to have to play those tough matchups. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my thoughts. Yeah, I guess. But then, like, the so question would in be In my like, opinion, he's not quite there off. He's not producing there offensively quite yet. And I don't think he's defensively there quite fair, yet. Fair. Will he be there? I think he could I be 100%. Close. I think he will. He's only 21. Still Let's young. remember that. Yeah, he's like, a 99 born. Which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, still crazy. Um, my last question it was about Tatar, if he was going to draw in for the Montreal Canadiens. Yes. But I guess. We already, we already answered that. So I kind of have a little smaller question. And if he doesn't, someone should get smacked in the head. So the Leafs are losing a left, a strong left winger in their top six. So do you think Tatar could come in and replace that for the Leafs? Do you no. think the Leafs should sign Thomas Tatar? Because they're going to aim way higher than that. Aim higher than Tatar? Yes. Pretty. Wow. I didn't think they'd be able to afford Tatar. I don't think Tatar is going to make nearly as much as we thought before the playoffs. He's still good. I think he'll still make between three and four million dollars, mm, maybe no? on a one year. Interesting. 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 I mean, I'd love to also get him for three. I mean, That'd be great. Does Anthony Duclair play left wing? Yeah. He's going to be looking for more money, but he's a guy. It's interesting. Whatever. Throw his name out there. That's all I got. You guys have any closing notes? How about any Instagram questions, or you kind of uh, t- you kind of talked one. about it? It was yeah, just okay. the one that I got from Ryan. Um, Shout out very Ryan. Good, very good question. But one last check. Yeah, no, nothing yet. But, um, yeah. So hopefully when you guys listen to this, it's on the Monday before the game. Um, what are we going to do? Are we going to try and meet up after every game? Or are we going to try and do... It's a pretty advantageous week. I mean, yeah. Mondays, there's a Monday game, right? And then there's a Wednesday game, which is right before Canada Day. Maybe the Wednesday seems not like that. Yeah. And then the next game is a Friday. And then there's not another game till Monday. Okay. I think the Wednesday. We can, yeah, so we can let, let's record for... Okay, so we'll, we'll try and get another one out for the Wednesday game. And then I want you guys to submit more questions, please. Um, not tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the show. Let's try Subscribe. and... I, w- I want to try and go live for, for either an intermission or a post game. I don't know if you guys are interested in that, but Spotify, Green Room, new, cool new technology will allow us to go live in a podcasting environment. So if you if that's something you guys are interested in, let, let us know. Please fire, fire DMs to the, to the Rink Rat Report. Uh, Instagram account, unsolicited, whatever you want. Uh, yeah. Right. 